It's always fun to go on an adventure, to discover new things and rediscover old things that may have been forgotten. I'm Joseph Williams, an intern here at West Valley Christian Church, and we're in a series called Discover Life. We're going to go on an adventure, journeying through God's Word, lifting up rocks, walking on new paths, and looking at old truths in fresh ways. So put on your shoes, grab your water, and let's go discover life. Good evening, Journey. Let's give it up again for Brandon and the band. My goodness. I don't know if you guys realize how good we got it with having these guys lead us worship. So it's good to be in the house. I'm Rob Denton, lead pastor here. And uh, we're closing out a series uh, called Discover Life. Uh, We're uh, in the fifth week of that. And uh, we've really been taking a look at what life is really about. If we really want to live it the way that God wants us to live it. If you open up your Bibles in John chapter 10, and if you need one, raise your hands. John chapter 10. Verse 10, Jesus is speaking, and he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the what, church? And have it to the full or have it abundantly. This is a picture that's being painted here to say that, you know what? I came, Jesus said, I came so that you can have the best life, so that you can have life like it's meant to live. And my question is, do you want to live your one life on this earth at its fullest? Do you want to make the best of this one life that you have? I sure hope the answer is yes. You know, this week, this earth lost someone really special, but heaven gained, Billy Graham. Almost 100 years on this earth. That's crazy. And he, he lived his life to the full. He did not have the perfect life. It was not a life without struggle or pain or bad decisions or sin. But Billy Graham, God bless his soul, lived life to the fullest. And he made an impact on those that were around him. He made an impact on hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, if not tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people. But actually, when we look and see his effect, it was on millions of people. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, here's the deal. I want to live my life to the fullest. And I'll tell you this. My life is not going to be Billy Graham's life. Your life is not Billy Graham's life. It's your fullest in Christ. That's how we can live life to the fullest. Are you ready to delve into what God has to say as we conclude this series? Let's pray. Father, it is good to be in your house. Thank you for just an incredible time of worship. Thank you for gifting those individuals with the way they could play instruments and use their voice so that we could glorify you. God, thank you that uh, you've given me enough energy to be up here tonight, and I pray, God, that it would not be my words, but your words shared. God, that we would connect with your heart, with your vision, with your truth, and God, that we would be transformed, that we would be changed because we've been in your house and in your presence. God, only you could do this through your Holy Spirit. And we press in at this time in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So here's the deal. Uh, I wrestled with this uh, most of the, the last part of uh, this last week. 
and even up to this morning when I got here, thinking about how, how was I going to share what I'm going to share here today? Was I going to come in, in typical fashion with a music stand or a podium or a, 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 a table and preach? Or was I going to do something different that I felt like the Lord was really leading me to? So we're going to go a little different here today. This is not me preaching. It's you and I talking. The setting could be Starbucks. It could be Pete's Coffee, Coffee Bean, or some of you, the bar. But you're drinking the Diet Coke and the Red Bull, right? But the point is, this is us sharing. Actually, it's me sharing and you listening. I want to tell you my story. And I wrestled with that because some of you have heard uh, bits and pieces of my story. But I realized that I can, never, I can never wear out what God has done in my life. And I want to share that with you. And, and I want to also, in the midst of that, intertwine what we've learned over the last few weeks. Specifically the last four weeks. And then uh, I'll wrap that up and you'll, you'll see how that plays out. It was um, September 28th, 1968. I was born. And I was born about two and a half miles from here. Uh, Shoop and Roscoe. Not, not like literally on Shoop and Roscoe, but like there was a hospital back in the day over there. I know there's houses and Lowe's. But there was a hospital there. I was born there to Robert Lee Denton, Jr., and Elaine Marie Denton. I almost gave you her maiden name of Chiapudi. With that name, you can see my mom was 100%. Actually, she was 110% Italian. Being Italian, we're good Catholics. And so my mom and dad took me to our Lady of the Valley, just right behind me here on Sherman Way, the Catholic Church, and they um, christened me. If you're not familiar with that, it's, 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 it's a baby baptism. And dedicated me um, to the Lord. Soon after that, actually uh, about a year and a half, my sister Christine was born. So Christine and I are about two years uh, apart in age. And it was really soon right after that that mom and dad got divorced. So Christine was just a baby. I was uh, two years old, and um, I lived with my mom, and so did my sister in an apartment over there in Reseda nearby, and uh, we were raised a single mom, and um, we would get on that bus that came around that uh, Our Lady of the Valley would send around on Sunday mornings and pick up all the kids from the apartment, and we'd go to church, my sister and I. She was really little. And I was. And some of you are going, wait a second, you were that young and your mom put you on a bus? This was back in the day. So I learned my first understanding of God there. And I want to make very clear that as I share, I'm not picking on the Catholic Church. I'm sharing my personal experience. Some of you had different experiences, and that's fine. Some of you could relate to this. But for me... I learned quick to be afraid of God and nuns. Oh, you went there too. <laughs> and 
when I was about six and a half years old, getting close to seven years old, one morning I woke up and I found out that I was no longer going to live with my mom, but I'm now going to live with my dad and his new wife, who um, to this day is a very special person. Some of you have horrific stories of your step-parents. Um, I was blessed with two amazing uh, step-parents, a, a wonderful stepmom and a wonderful stepdad who's here every Sunday night. But that changed my world. For now, I'm not living with mom. I'm living with dad. I'm living in this new family. And it was confusing. And every other week, I would get to see my mom. But every other week, I had to say goodbye to my mom. And that sucked. And before I move on any further, the one thing that I want to make very clear here in what I'm sharing is especially if you are a child of a, a divorced parents or if you are one of those people who have had a divorce or two in your life, please do not walk out of here with guilt and shame. That's what the devil would want you to do. That's not the message that I'm sharing. All I'm sharing is it affected my life. But God's grace was all over my mom and dad just as it is over all of us. Amen? So, so every other weekend, and then we moved out to Camarillo, my, my dad and my, my half-sisters, I don't even call them half-sisters, my sisters, and, and, and my sister uh, stayed here with mom every other weekend. The 101. Saying goodbyes. And then when we're in Camarillo, these guys would come to our doorstep and knock on the door, and they wore Button-down white shirts and a tie. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, okay. Well, they came, and, and they had really cool bikes, and they let me ride them once in a while. But they would spend hours talking with my dad. I'm in the backyard playing baseball or in the front yard playing, uh, you know, basketball or riding my big wheel. Come on. Any big wheelers out there? All right. And so... Nothing came of that, but then we moved to Orange County, and we lived in the city of Villa Park during junior high and, and high school, and guess what? These guys in white button-down T-shirts or, or, or dress shirts and ties came knocking on the door. They were different, young, different, but eventually they talked my dad into going to church, and so for a couple of years, I'm saying two or three years, we went to the Mormon church. And the Mormon church was awesome because there was a lot of pretty girls my age. And they played basketball. And it was awesome for a young, young teenage boy, basketball and girls. Now, it was weird because we would meet all together on a Sunday. And, and then all of a sudden, we would break up into all women would go somewhere. I don't know where they went. All of us guys would go somewhere. And then there was a guy that always stood up in front of us and talked about, how many books of Mormons did you pass out this week? And you teenagers, are you saving your money to go on your mission trip? And then, you know, it was like, hey, and if you do this and you do this and do this, you're going to get to this level of heaven. If you do this, this, and this, you're going to get to this level of heaven. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I wasn't interested. Where's those girls? Where's the basketball? But one day I woke up and my dad said on a Sunday, he goes, guess what? We're all going to get baptized today. And I'm like, all right, what, what does that mean? He goes, uh, you, you just need to bring some swim trunks and, and dad's going to get baptized and then he's going to baptize you. And I got baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, full immersion, just like the Bible says. And I came out of that water wet. 
I came out of the water wet, just like I jumped in the pool, just like I was on a boogie board in the Pacific Ocean. I was no different because I didn't even know who Jesus was. I got baptized because dad said we're getting baptized. Well, still going back and forth every other week and saying goodbye to mom every other weekend. And I'm in high school now. I'm still the shortest kid, always the shortest kid, always the shortest guy. Barely I can make it over some of the girls. Dealt with insecurity all my life. Only did things that I was good at. I was not going to fail. I only played sports that I knew I was going to play well at. I only did things outside of sports that I knew that I could succeed at. I don't know if there's anyone that could relate to that. I would lay my head on the pillow late at night as a junior and senior in high school. Had all kinds of friends, all kinds of involvement on outside stuff, but just was incredibly lonely. Can you relate to that? It's like I had this out there, but inside I was a mess. Then I graduated young, 17 years old. My sister was living here. She went to West Valley Christian school, graduated from this school because mom as a single mom sacrificed so that my sister could be here. My sister learned to love the Lord. She tried to convince her brother of this all the time. Her brother was going to have nothing to do with it because it was all about sports. I have time for this, but that's good for you, Christine. Christine was in all sorts of movies of the week. You know, the Farrah Fawcett, uh, the Burning Bed, that was my sister in that movie. Uh, I don't, <laughs> Growing Pains. Kurt Cameron, she was in that a few times. Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder. She was in movies with Ann Jillian and, 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 and all sorts of big wigs. And, and it was cool because I get to go to the rap parties and I got to dance with Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. I always think that if I was 18, she would have left Ryan O'Neill for me. I was 15, so that didn't happen. But I graduate, and my sister's still doing films. She's still going to this school. She just got a film, and my mom said, hey, we'll, I'll pay you to go set set for her. And so I would come from Orange County, and I'd get here early, and I'd take her to the set, and I'd eat all that good food and hang out with all the, 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 the fun people in Hollywood. And it was great, and I was starting to think I'm going to go this route. At that time, I never made it any further than high school in baseball. I always wanted to, and I always thought I could, but I, I didn't. I ended up playing tennis in college, in junior college. And so this is what I'm doing. I dropped my sister off, go back to um, Orange County to go to my homecoming, but I need to get back so I could take my sister back to the set early in the morning. So I drove back, 1 o'clock in the morning on the 134, 70 miles per hour, I fall asleep listening to love songs on the coast. I went across all the lanes, went through a fence, went down the hill, finally woke up to the bump, 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 and slammed on my brakes, came to a, a stop, and I was at that angle on a hill with both sides and the roof all smashed in. There's so much to tell about this story at that point, but I don't have time. I will say this. I was on a road on the other side of the fence, a utility road for 200 yards, and there was an immediate right-hand turn right in front of a huge cement pole. I was asleep. To this day, I believe that every day is an extra day for Rob Denton. I should have been wrapped around that pole. 
Well, when I got home and my sister found out, she had tears in her eyes, and I said, Christine, tell me about this God I did not want to hear about. And my sister, with tears in her eyes, said, I want you to start reading the Bible, start with the book of John, and go to church with me Sunday. And I went to West Valley Christian Church that Sunday, and I heard a guy by the name of Glenn Kirby preach a sermon. I went back that night and heard a guy, Tom Moyers, preach a sermon. I met uh, one of my sister's friends at church. His name was Bobby Gaskell, and Bobby Gaskell also uh, happened to like girls in sports and God, and we became friends, and I kept coming to church, and then the youth pastor, Darren Skates, and one of the youth workers said, hey, Robbie, because that's what my name was, Robbie, do you want to learn more? Of course I do. So Darren Skates and Steve Cook would drive to my mom's house, and at this point, I'm living with my mom and my sister now at a house right over here, um, right by uh, Satakoy and um, Inglemark. And we would sit in my room, and Darren gave me a Bible, and the very first passage he said, let's look at Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. And it reads this. This is Jesus speaking. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he will with me. Now, please remember this. This is Robbie Denton that is consumed with sports incredibly insecure, lonely, lost. Now he's 18 years old. He's trying to figure out why he's here on this earth. He's had this car accident that should have taken his life, and now he's wondering, why is he still alive? Have you ever had something similar to that in your own life? Maybe you're feeling that right now. Why am I here? But this passage, he, Darren looked at me and says, Jesus wants a relationship with you. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And I'm like, what? Because remember, what's my experience? My personal experience in the Catholic Church was this. You, the priest has a relationship with God, you don't. The priest is the one that you talk to, you don't talk to God. And, and, and you mean Jesus would want to have a relationship with me, a messy person that deals with loneliness, that deals with insecurity? I'm that messy fish that we talked about a month ago. Do you remember that? By the way, I took selfie of you guys. There's me in the middle, and then there's you and the person next to you. Because remember, what I learned is that we're all messy fish, Right? We all deal with our own insecurities or our own pain or our own loneliness or our own regrets or our own selfishness or our own whatever that is, but we are all the same. We are messy fish. And, 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 and for me to hear that Jesus would actually want a relationship with me, that was so stinking foreign to me. Because you fast forward and I'm in the Mormon church, again, it wasn't about a relationship. It was about doing and doing and doing and doing. And the more you did, the higher uh, level of heaven you got to. So this whole idea of relationship did not make sense to this guy. But Darren said it's right here in the Bible. Jesus desires a relationship with you, Robbie. 
The next week he came to my house and we're in the, my back bedroom again and they're sitting on the chairs and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed and, and uh, Darren says, this is the word. This is the Bible. He showed me a passage that says this book is God-breathed. This is God's word in your hands. Hebrews chapter 4 says that it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to penetrate, dividing joints and marrow, soul and spirit. And then it goes on to say, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And we learn that, that this book is, is useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking. Training us in righteousness. And as Pastor John, Josh did such a wonderful job of weeks ago, I learned that this book is a, a light and a lamp for my feet, for the path. Remember, I'm 18, I'm confused. What am I supposed to do with this one life? And I learned from God's word, this is the answer. This is the Google map right here. This tells me how to get to where I need to go, and it's not gonna mess up. And it's a light unto my feet, and I'm like, okay, that's cool, but can it be like a floodlight? Can I get a little bit more distance out of this sucker? Because I wanna know where this life's going. Can you relate to that? And the scripture says, no, it's just, a, it's just a lamp and a light. It will give you enough information for what you need at this moment. And as you get there, it'll give you just a little bit more. Ultimately, we know what the end looks like. But I'm just going to let you see what you need to see. The truth that you need for that moment in your life. Amen? It's a flashlight. It's a flashlight. Messy fish. Relationship with Jesus. Bible, word of God, a flashlight, a light unto my feet. The third week they show up. Robbie, we're talking about sin today. Oh, no, the nightmares of growing up. All of a sudden got back. The nun with the ruler. Oh, Robbie, Robbie, God is not going to like that. Hell Marys, right? I see bobblehead night ears, like, especially this section. Anyways. I learned that sin is a radical problem. Why? Because Isaiah says that my iniquities or my sins have caused God. His arm's not too short and his ear's not too dull to hear, but, but my sin, my iniquities have caused God to have to, God to have to turn his back because he can't have sin in his presence. It's an archery term that says you're missing the mark. And do you remember a few weeks ago we had the big bullseye up here? And we said that that is where God wants us aim in our life. This is, this is, this is where God wants us to, to strive to be, is to hit that target. But, but like you and I, we all miss that thing, don't we? We do because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and when he showed me that passage in Romans, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that's screwed up. And Darren's like, no, we've all fallen short. 
we've all missed the mark. We've all failed in our life. We've all experienced whatever hurt and pain in our life. And in a sick way, that brings comfort, doesn't it? To know that I'm not alone in this. I deserve death as a result of sin. I was, I was, that's what the Bible says. And, and I learned, that, and I learned that, that it's my choice. I have free will. And it's the first time I heard about free will. I always kind of thought that whatever happened in life is going to happen because God already predestined it. And it's just going to, it doesn't even matter what I do. And then I learned about free will. God has given us free will. He's given every one of us free will to choose left or right, right or wrong, up or down. And we want to blame the devil. We can't blame the devil. It's us making the choice ultimately. We want to blame our parents and become victims of whatever it is that we grew up in that wasn't fair. And I'm sorry, but the truth is that might stink. That might suck. That might be devastating. It might be bad. But we have the opportunity to rise above that. That's free will. Then he said, the story doesn't end. I want to ch- turn your attention to Matthew chapter 7, or 27. And he talked, he says, Robbie, do you remember? You've been reading the book of John for the first time in your life. You've been learning about Jesus. You've been learning about his miracles. You've been learning about how he's loved people. And, and, and you're learning about how, uh, how he's performed miracles. And that Jesus, at one point in his life, you're going to see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's in there and he's, he's extremely uh, uh, filled with um, sorrow and pain, knowing what is going to come. And he's asking his disciples to be there, but they fall asleep. And he asks them again, they fall asleep, and, and he's agonizing. It says uh, uh, sweats of, of blood coming from his forehead because he knew what was coming. And he even said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. And, and God's will is like, no, we got to go all the way. And so Jesus was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was made fun of. He had to carry his own cross. And then he's crucified. And in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 45, it says, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, yama sabachiani, which means, my God, my God, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? Scripture tells us, That just before Jesus took his last breath, at probably one of the darkest, loneliest points of any human ever experienced on this earth, because Jesus had my sin on his heart at that moment. He had your sin. He had the world's sin on him. And the Bible says, even God the Father in heaven, because Jesus bore sin, could not have his own son in his presence. That is loneliness and darkness at the greatest level. And it's at this that Jesus said, it is finished. And like, I'm in my room reading this. And then he actually had me read the, a doctor's point of view of the crucifixion. And I felt about this tall. And I'm like, this really, this is bad. I'm like, 
I was pretty excited about learning about Jesus and the word and I was feeling good about where my life was going, but now you're, you're making me feel like crud again. But Darren says, if Jesus' story finished there on the cross, we would have no hope. He said, but three days later, a group of people came running out saying, he is, he is alive. He has risen. And with Jesus conquering death, with Jesus conquering death, that meant that I could have life. That meant that I am set free from whatever garbage that I was having in my life, whatever bill of sin that I had racked up, Jesus, death on the cross, his blood was good enough. And it said, your sin, your debt is paid in full. And this is what we learn and what we know as the word grace. Can we say grace? Grace. Can you say grace? Grace. Can you say grace? Grace, because I think this is a word that needs to be shared more than any word outside of the name of Jesus in church. You see, I was raised for 18 years. I went through the Catholic church. I went through the Mormon church. I went through life. I had no clue what grace was. And some of you may be sitting here today having never heard of grace. Let me tell you something. Grace is a free gift. It's a free gift from above. Our heavenly father loves us so much that he would send his son so that we can be forgiven. We can have our slate white clean. The whiteboard with the eraser, it's all gone. As far as the east is from the west, so our sins are removed from the presence of God. That is pretty stinking amazing, isn't it? And I remember my head spinning as an 18-year-old in my bedroom, as Darren Skates and Steve Cook were trying to explain grace to me. And I shared this with you a few weeks ago. I'm still trying to figure out grace. It is a greased pig in my life. Every time I catch it, it slips out. And you know what I realized at 49 years old? That's not a bad thing. Because if grace is good as it is right now in my life, as I taste it, it's only going to get better as I understand it more and more and more. The shower head is a great illustration of grace. And if you weren't here a few weeks ago, you need to go online and either watch the sermon, which you can watch them now, or you could listen to the sermon, and you'll hear what the shower head means for me and really can mean for you. But let me give you a cliff note version. That shower head represents grace. Two weeks of not taking a shower on a missions trip in, Chile, in um, Russia and taking that shower for the first time and watching all that filth go down the drain. As good a feeling as that was, standing under the shower head of the cross. And watching the garbage of my life go down the drain is awesome. It says set free. The next week they come to my house and say, well, Robbie, you're, you, we've talked to you about Jesus and we've talked to you about the word and we've talked to you about sin and grace. Now let's talk about what it means to be a Christian. 
And they shared one scripture after another that means we try and obey God's word. And we try and um, share Jesus with others. And we try and love like Jesus loves. Now, this isn't what you have to do to get to heaven. Jesus already took care of that. Okay, you're not earning your way to heaven. It's all taken care of. But since you're gonna take some time up on this earth and since you're gonna be alive, here's what you could do as a Christian. And this is what it means to look, what it looks like to be a disciple, a Christ follower. They read to me Luke 9, 23 that says, if anyone would come after me, this is Jesus speaking, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross daily, and then come follow me. I'm not sure exactly if Darren said it this way, but I remember a line being drawn in the sand and then him saying, so you've been on this side. Are you ready to cross over? Because that's what Jesus is saying in Luke 9.23, right? The poker term, all in. Do you remember that with the deck of cards? all in. Robbie, are you ready to make this decision? Man, I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could love like Jesus. I don't think I could obey his word. I don't think, I I need some time. And I remember the words are like, no, 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 no. None of us could do this. You can't, but you and God can. And there'll be days that you mess up and there's days that you succeed. Two, uh, three steps forward and two steps back is still making progress, amen? And I said, I, I, I'm ready, I'm ready. And he took me to John three sixteen that says, let's say this together, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This passage says this, if you believe in Jesus, Salvation is yours. That's a Christian word, but basically this means you and God are connected and you get to go to heaven where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more debt, and no more debates on Facebook. He says, you understand that, Robbie? Yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter has hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made um, sorry, but because your sorrow led to what? Repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended and so were not harmed in any way. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. There's that word salvation again. And so Darren says, we gotta believe in Jesus Christ and and, and there needs to be a heart of repentance. And I'm like, oh, does that mean I gotta get all cleaned up? I gotta get all fixed up? And he's like, no, 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 it's a heart change. It's saying, I'm not living for self, but I'm living for you, Lord. Now, we don't come to the cross all cleaned up. If we did that, we don't need the cross. We come to the cross just as we are, amen? And what we say is, Lord, help me. It's not about me anymore, but it's about you. And then he took me to Romans. It says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
we are saved. And there's that word salvation again. We believe in Jesus, we repent, and we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. When we baptize someone, whether it's here or the beach or backyard pool or wherever, we always extend the right hand of fellowship and ask that person that's being baptized, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And, and they say yes, that's their confession. That's them saying publicly, I am stepping over the line and I might have been against Jesus, but now I'm for Jesus. And by the way, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, you are automatically against Jesus. Because as my dad used to say, no decision is a decision. Then he says, let's turn to one last passage, Acts chapter 2. And we know that this is a sermon that was preached right after the death of Jesus. It's the beginning of the church. It's given by a crazy man by the name of Peter, uh, who just, God did some amazing things in his life. And he preaches this sermon and shares a lot about what we've shared here today. And it says that the, the, in verse 38, uh, of 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That had to be a one hot, awesome day. Here are these people that understood the first half of the book, the Old Testament, and Peter preaches the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and they turn from their tradition, and they turn to Jesus, and they say, we are going to go all in right here, right now. Baptismo, which is immersion. It's not sprinkling on the forehead. It's not pouring it's baptismo, just like Jesus, full immersion. It's not the water that saves, it's Jesus that does. But this is our commitment. This is our crossing over the line. So I'm all in. I'm ready to do this. I, I'm October or, or April 26th, I'm getting baptized. And I, 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 they leave and I tell my mom, I'm getting baptized. And my mom was not happy. I'm like, I was surprised by it. She goes, honey, you were already baptized. I don't know what they're teaching you. I baptized you and your dad. I baptized, we baptized you at the Catholic church when you were a baby. God gave me perfect words at that moment. I said, mom, thank you. What you and dad did was absolutely amazing. Thank you for dedicating me to the Lord. But I need to make that decision for myself. Well, mom still wasn't happy. And she wasn't happy for a month, or two months, six months, a year, a couple of years. But you know, my mom, bless her heart, would drive from Santa Creta every Sunday to come support her son. And that whole feeling was washed away. And mom loved her son like no other and supported him. Dad's like, son, I already baptized you. I know, Dad, but he's like, okay, I understand, and I respect you. So wait a second, Robbie, Pastor Rob, what? You said you were fully immersed in the name of Jesus Christ? Yeah, just like the Bible said. 
Why did you get baptized when you were 18 then? Because I never made a decision when I was 13 and 14. Dad had me get baptized and I didn't even know who Jesus was. So April 26, 1988, I gave my life to Christ. And you know what's crazy? I'm sitting here 30 years later as your lead pastor. God could do crazy stuff. God could do crazy stuff with messy fish, amen? What are you gonna let him do with your life? Don't let tradition, don't let your pride, don't let needing to know all the answers stop you from saying yes to Jesus. If you're sitting here and you made that decision at one time in your life and you've walked away from it, tonight come back to him. If you've never made that decision, tonight is the best night to say yes to Jesus. And if you're walking faithfully with him, keep it up. Because the best life is not outside of Christ. It's in Christ. At breakfast, I was reading a story about a cross-country skier this morning that had the silver medal in her hand. Matter of fact, she was so close, she was chasing the gold. But when everyone went one direction, she went another. She went the wrong way. And she ended up with nothing. Okay, so she missed out on a medal. But if we choose to go the wrong way, we miss out on an abundant life here on this earth and an eternity spent with God the Father in heaven. Will you say yes to Jesus? I want you to bow your heads with me at this time. We don't do this normally at West Valley, but I, I certainly feel led to say, if there is a person here tonight that is just hearing this stuff, and for the first time there's this there's, there's this peace in your heart or there's a, there's a racing of your heart that says, man, I, I just need to cross that line. I need to say yes to Jesus. I'd love for you to just, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand if you're that person that says, I wanna say yes to Jesus. And you go ahead and put your hands down. God in heaven, you know every man and every woman's heart in his place. You know my heart, God. I'm very incredibly grateful for the story that was shared tonight. My story and your story. Because I'm constantly reminded that every day I have really is an extra day. And I could have so easily gone the wrong way. But you pulled me in. And God, we have a room filled with people that have the same story with just different chapter headings, different pains, different crossroads. But especially for that person that's sitting here tonight that has never said yes to you, I pray, God, that tonight would be that night. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Lord.
You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WVCCH. If you'd like more information about our church or services, please visit our website at WVCCH.org. Thank you for tuning in. Your tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions and my transgressions.